Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist feminist podcast that isn't surprised that the Me Too movement was co-opted by the capitalist class. Today we have Laura, Hope, Zoe, Callan, and Walida. And before we get into our episode, we have a special announcement. <laughs> We're recruiting. Um, we are recruiting for new co-hosts. So if you know of anyone that would be interested, we're going to have the links to the application pinned um, in both our Twitter and Instagram bios. So you can check out the information there and join us. We'd love to have you. Join us. It's a cult. (laughs) It's definitely not a cult. (laughs) It might be so bad at marketing. And this is generally the dynamic you can come to expect from us. Um, But anyway, into today's episode. And today we're talking about Me Too again. Um, So we did a couple of episodes a couple of years ago when this movement started. And it feels really important to us to continue that conversation because it's obviously... um, being completely destroyed by the fact that the main celebrity voices that echoed or quote-unquote championed the Me Too movement and Time's Up movements, um, those celebrities are now wholeheartedly supporting Joe Biden. Um, And, I mean, as we've talked about on the celebrity episode we did, like, celebrity endorsements only mean so much, but really the Me Too movement was kind of around this um, understanding that it happened to the celebrities, it happened to a lot of people, and while it was something that reached everyone, it also was certainly centered on celebrities. So it feels like a complete undoing of anything that that movement standed to to gain. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit Um, before we obviously talk specifically about what's going on right now um, about just like the history of the Me Too movement which I'm sure we've talked about in other episodes but just as a refresher because I think it's really important to remember that like liberal feminists did not start the Me Too movement and it's not really a surprise that they're jumping ship as soon as it does not Mm -hmm. um, you know align with their class interests but um, so the movement was started by a black woman um, Tarana Burke, and she coined the phrase Me Too in 2006 and worked mostly with girls and women of color um, who had obviously experienced like sexual violence and sexual assault. Um, but then, as we know, the movement was co-opted by like liberal and, you know, bourgeois feminism, which as that was happening, Burke publicly said that um, she was worried that that would overshadow the work she'd been doing for so long and like, you know, did really change what that movement looked like. Um, But she also said that she knew she had to help other women. And um, to read a quote, she said, 
It made my heart swell to see women using this idea, one that we call empower, empowerment through empathy, um, to not only show the world how widespread and pervasive sexual violence is, but also to let our survivors know that they're not alone. Hashtag me too. Um, and I think there can be a lot of power in those moments. We talked about this on the Rust Belt Femme episode with Rachel about how like important personal stories are for political movements and that that's how a lot of um, like feminist movements are started just by people comparing stories and being like, oh, wow, me too. Um, and I know that for me in college, I like very much had one of these moments with like a group of friends where we kind of like all realized that we had experienced like different um, forms of sexual assault and harassment and just kind of we're all like crying together and being like oh my god um, yeah. but that's like a powerful moment and I think that that is you know unfortunately pretty common but um, kind of to get back to like the the roots of the movement I mean yeah it really isn't a surprise that liberal feminists are ditching the movement as soon as it like doesn't suit them like they kind of mm -hmm. jumped on <laughs> wrote it out while it like fit all of their interests and then we're like okay never mind like we were kidding yeah right like um and it, it is funny and maybe this is um indicative of how much time I spend online but certainly I am not the only person who's noticed that <clears throat> a number of prominent white women who made me too so prominent who brought it into sort of the public light in a way that it hadn't been before have been removing references from me too from their twitter bios they've been deleting mm. old tweets it actually kind of surprised me because it's like a pretty incredible level of self-awareness to be like actually <laughs> i'm just throwing this thing completely out like i no longer believe this um so i guess in some ways props on not being a total hypocrite i don't know but really what it is is that the me too movement served its purposes for them um it got like one dude who personally victimized some of them out of hollywood and into rikers it elevated some of them out of obscurity like Alyssa milano who hasn't done shit since charmed was on in like 2002 or whatever like now she gets to go on msnbc and like my grandpa get knows who she is because of the me too movement she milked it for what it's worth and now she's abandoned it she recently wrote um, an op-ed about her support for Joe Biden, encouraging other people to support him as well. And I think it's really worth saying that, and, and Zoe, you, you sort of alluded to this, that like the version of Me Too that Alyssa Milano, you know, um, was glomming onto, not like the Toronto Burke version, was always a movement, I'm doing heavy air quotes here, um, that was just for a certain group of women and um, this is a story that I've told, I think, on the podcast before, but like last summer, it feels like 20 years ago, but it was in fact <laughs> just one year ago, um, I was invited to speak on a panel about the Me Too movement at Princeton. And I accepted because I thought it was going to be this like, you know, my expectation was it was going to be a lib event, that it was going to be very like girl power, girl boss kind of version. And I was like, okay, they've mistakenly invited me here thinking like probably that I they were like well we'll throw the left a bone or whatever have her be like the the token sort of young radical I was like I need to make sure that we're talking about class implications of sexual violence because obviously I was like that's not going to happen here mm -hmm. anyway I didn't even get to do that because <laughs> Princeton also invited Brett Kavanaugh's lawyer to be on the panel what? talk about a girl boss um wow 
So I ended up giving a statement and walking out. And this story obviously says a lot about Princeton as an institution, none of which will likely be surprising to people. Uh, but it also says a lot about how elite women have always crowded out other versions of the story, sometimes just with their very presence. Like we talked about this on earlier Me Too episodes, but it, it was a deeply flawed thing from the time it was picked up by Hollywood. So like you, Zoe, in so many ways, I'm not really that surprised it's being abandoned in this absolutely cynical way right now. Yeah, absolutely. And like the whole the the whole process to me does make me think like going kind of into what you were saying, if it if it if the panel had turned out the way that you thought it was going to originally, um, you know, kind of making express that like, yes, we are a media outlet that is wrapped up in identity politics of course we limit our exposure to cis men voicing their opinions here and it definitely brings things back to me where identity falls short um and specifically what you were talking about kellen of talking about class consciousness and you know why we supported bernie sanders even though he's not a woman right like having an understanding of what actual feminism and class consciousness means for our country and also for just like our general politics but um for me it's like really important that like we acknowledge that like yes we we run a project that is wrapped up in identity but we're also not like I don't know. I feel like I feel like we see we're seeing kind of the double side of identity politics here. I guess I'm not having a an easy time articulating myself about it. Well, I don't think anybody is like thinking that we're I mean, I hope not. I hope it's at this point clear that none of us were like Elizabeth Warren stands, which is what we would have been if we were like nominal leftists who cared more about gender than literally anything else. Mm-hmm. Um Remember when Elizabeth Warren was still in the race? That feels like 20 years ago. Yeah, that, that was 20 years it ago. It does feel like a million years. <laughs> on a, just like a very, very um, sort of tangentially related thing. I was on a Zoom call with my, or uh, I guess it wasn't Zoom. Not all of life happens on Zoom. But anyway, I was like FaceTiming with my grandpa for his birthday. And he was like, I, I come from like a family of people who are very interested in politics, a lot of like Southern liberals, basically. And he was like, Kellen, who do you think Joe Biden's going to pick as his running mate? And I was like, I truly do not care. And my grandpa <laughs> was like, shocked, especially because he was like, well, you know, he's going to pick a woman. And I was like, I cannot explain uh, to you how yeah. little I care about this. And I, I tried to say it in like a polite way. It was a very cute attempt at my grandfather to like, you know, find something to talk about that he was excited about but I at this point truly truly do not care on kind of a related note I think that's the thing that uh people get wrong all the time about Biden being Obama's running mate it's not like he was like some great ally for you know black voters or like progressive and that's and Obama was progressive so that's why he pulled him in it was more like oh maybe we'll will appeal to more conservative people if we throw them this bone of like, here's this establishment white guy who's on the ticket too. So, you know, I, I just feel like that gets forgotten a lot. Yeah, absolutely. yeah that's a really good point. It's a good segue to talk about. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know that we all probably are going to have some different opinions on this, um, which is totally fine and and part of what what I love about (laughs) this group. Um, But yeah, I just I just wanted to say, like, there's going to be a lot of reasons. Well, okay, maybe we should, like, start with the basics of, like, why we're talking about the Joe Biden election in light of Me Too movement in case people have really, really been hiding under a rock and don't know about the allegations. Honestly, if you've been hiding under a rock and you don't know, maybe you should just stay there. Like, yes, (laughs) stop listening. You you just stop listening. (laughs) Go back to the rock. It's nicer in there. (laughs) Okay, just make sure. Well, under the rock for me, I will join you under that rock. Is there space for us down there with you? Yes. Does anyone have a bunker where we can all come to avoid the news cycle? Thank you. Right. Um, um, yeah. So Joe Biden has been credibly accused of um, sexual assault rape by a woman um, who used to work for him in the 1990s. And she has been, her name's Tara Reed. She's been just dragged through the mud for the last couple of weeks. Um, and it is bad. Yeah, it's really bad. And just like on top of that, um, I mean, there's so many like compilations of like video clips and photos of Biden having zero respect for women's boundaries. So yeah, it's like one, it, it doesn't come as a surprise. And like, there likely are a lot of other, um, you know, complaints that have happened with him. Yeah, that kind of makes it so fucked too. Cause it's like, even with all of these like photos and videos where like, we can see that Biden does not give one shit about right. women's boundaries. Like why, how does that not make him so discredible? I remember having a conversation in late 2018 about who would be the democratic nominee for president. And I rem- like Joe Biden came up and my response was, I was so naive. I actually thought Kamala Harris was gonna, I, I was, I was like, I think a lot of people did. Um, I said, there's no way that Joe Biden, this was before the Tara Reid thing came out Mm -hmm. years before, there's no way that Joe Biden gets elected in the Me Too era. There's Mm -hmm. just no way. Because it's so fucking creepy. Yeah. Anyway, how wrong I was. But we've known forever. And so that's why I just wanted to openly say, like, for me, I'm, I don't feel comfortable voting for Joe Biden. And I, so I won't be, um, because of him being an accused rapist. Um, And I just think that I can't do... I mean, the thing is, I also live in New York State. And not to say that, like, whatever, whatever. I just think we're going to get a lot of shit from liberals. But the thing is, we can't... I feel strongly that I can't continue to play this, like, bullshit game of, like, the best of two candidates that are both fucking rapists. Like, yeah, yeah. I just can't, I personally can't do that. But that's, that's for me. And I know others have different, different opinions on that. Yeah, I mean, I am a swing state voter, and I have somewhat purposefully held on to that residence. Um, but I, I won't be voting for him. Um, by any means, even before this stuff. I mean, I knew, yeah, we all knew that he was like fucking creepy as shit. Um, and his policies are awful. And I think like any of those reasons is a, is a completely valid reason to not want to vote for someone and putting them all together. There's, there's no, why would I, (laughs) um, but also I would not vote for 
a rapist, even if his policies were like great. Otherwise, I still don't think that I would be able to do that. Yeah, I I'm also in a swing state. Um, I'm also held on to my swing state voter thing. I am not yep. at the point where I'm like 100% not going to vote for Biden. I'm sitting at probably 98% not going to vote for Biden. Um, we'll see how things play out. I, it would be it's very difficult for me to see myself voting for him in November. Um, for yeah. all the reasons you explained, I resent the fact that I'm being asked to choose between two rapists. Yeah, um, I could. There's a very small part of me that could be convinced by a lesser harm argument um but it's really difficult for me to see joe biden as the, the lesser harm so yeah that's the problem for me too is like i just don't see that yeah. but anyway we don't all have to confess whether or not we're voting for no, joe I biden know, totally. I, know, I know hope had some things that she wanted to say about it yeah for sure. yeah 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 yeah, so first, really a quick weird story that we can cut out if it seems like I'm uh, making light of things, but that's not my intention of telling this. But Yeah, no, go for it. So there's a, a, I would say like a strange fellow who runs the liquor store. He's the owner of it in our neighborhood. And like two months ago, he was like, what do you think about this like presidential race? And I don't know if he's like Republican or Democrat or where he falls on the political spectrum. Um, but I was like, I don't know, man what do you think? Which is like usually my response if I'm trying to keep good relationships with people in my neighborhood. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, I just think you should stop sniffing and Joe Biden should stop sniffing and diddling all those women. And oh I was my like, God. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I not so, wrong. If, if so, he knows, then everyone should know. That's kind of what I thought was like, and those are his words. So that's why I'm like, I don't know if it's appropriate to repeat this, but it did tell me this is widespread that people have this is his sense about this yeah. is the only thing he wants to say about the presidential race before they even have announced him or like put him as a front runner is like oh this is who that guy is and i just thought we're so fucked <laughs> um so i wanted to tell that story and then um since we're doing confessionals about will we won't we yeah <laughs> Um, I personally uh, would not vote for Biden, but I have been trying to avoid falling into the trap of being coerced into admitting that in conversations, yeah. especially on social media, because um, I just think it just dominates everything. And I'm mm -hmm. so tired of hearing, well, voting, not voting for Biden is a vote for Trump, which no, it's not. That's right. not how voting works. Not voting <laughs> for someone is not voting. That's just not, that's not logical. That doesn't yeah. make sense. The other, the other direction also works. Like I'm not voting for Trump. So don't worry. It's like a vote for Biden. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Exactly. I'm not voting for either of them because therefore I'm not voting for either of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This is what I'm doing with my actions. It's not one thing doesn't mean the other thing. Ugh, I'm so like, obviously I'm, irritated about this um, yes. but anyways uh i've started saying instead i hope you're right that biden can win and trump loses i it would be great if trump loses because trump is terrible that said i'm afraid that people have serious reservations about voting for him and i don't think that's been addressed yeah. i would need him to do blank and usually i try to say whatever thing is in the news cycle in order to feel better about that and that seems to kind of like direct those conversations in a more productive place with people mm. who are like more centrist. Um, so that's that's more of like a tactic, I guess, than how I personally feel. But I think that's important because yeah. I'm just so tired of being baited into people just berating me for how I feel. Right. I'm tired. Yeah. I read an article a couple of weeks ago or a week ago by Jeremy Scahill. Um, about this very question 
I live in Chicago. It doesn't matter if I vote or not, but um, he had a very, very good article about like the, this moral quandary <laughs> that the democratic party has put us in. Um, he, he starts out the article by just talking about what a terrible person uh, Trump is and how dangerous he is really to the, like genuinely very existentially dangerous to the, to the future of this country and how much harm he causes to people. Um, and then he went into Joe Biden's history of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about the Democratic Party specifically and what they did uh, to put people in this position and how progressives who are very progressives and leftists who are angry at the Democratic Party and who are angry to be put in this position are fully justified. And people who refuse to vote for someone who led us into uh, Iraq war, who so proud of the crime bill, who did all kinds of harmful racist classist policies, who potentially has committed sexual assault. Um, I personally believe Tara Reid, so I think he actually did these things. Um, But my default is every man who wants to be a politician in America has done these things in one way or another. Um, You know, this is also true of Biden. And then he makes the, the argument that like, look, if you live in a safe blue state, you don't really have a moral problem. You don't have to vote if you don't want to, you can get away with it. If you live in a swing state, you do have a little bit more to think about. And that doesn't mean you have to vote for Joe Biden, though. What what he the argument he was making, which I thought was a really good argument, was people who live in swing states who refuse to vote for Joe Biden because of X Y Z reasons are fully justified not to vote for Joe Biden, even though they live in a swing state. Um, people who do decide to vote for Joe Biden because they've come to the conclusion that he is a lesser harm have the right to do that as well. But but at the end of the day, he laid this whole all of these questions we're asking and all of this anger that we feel should rightly be laid at the feet of the political system in the United States and this year at the feet of the Democratic Party that intervened actively to make Joe Biden a very weak, a very weak candidate who's always been a weak candidate. That's why he's never won. <laughs> he only ever won a primary. You know what I mean? He won this one by accident. And yeah. like to make him the the candidate, and I believe to the day I die, they made him the candidate. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Everything going in another, another direction. Um, they did this because they would, again, they would rather lose to Trump with Biden than win against Trump with Bernie Sanders. And yep. now they have a mess to clean up. Um, now they have a mess to clean up. And I don't know that they're going to be able to swing it. I also really want the current sitting occupant of the White House to not just lose. I want a lot of very terrible things to happen to him. Mm-hmm. Um that I can't say out loud, uh, <laughs> the very least of which is to lose this election this year. Um, I won't actively participate it, but in it, but then again, I don't have to. Um, Cause like I said, I live in Chicago. It's a safe city and it's a safe state, safe blue state. Um, but you know, people have feelings about this and the, the feelings are justified in their right. I, the, the, the idea that progressives and leftists are throwing a tantrum or not falling in line is infuriating. Yeah. And all they're, all they're doing is alienating an entire new generation of young people to actively engage with the Democratic Party, um, which is great because that either means that the Democratic Party is going to completely fall apart or they're just going to do something to, to take it over, break it apart limb from limb and rebuild it in the image of actual leftist progressive policies. 
Yeah, this this whole discussion brings me to something I, I wanted to talk about, which was like the effect that the um, battle of the rapist oral trademark patent pending uh, will have on American politics. Like, um, and Willie, I think what you were saying gets to this, that, that basically one purpose that this whole circus serves is to further disenfranchise people, basically, you know, like political elites are signaling to the American people and especially young people, especially working class people, that politics is dirty and stupid and not worth participating in. And people are rightly, I mean, like us asking the question, why should I bother voting if these are my choices? And the more people are turned off to civic participation, the more that the political class solidifies their power. We saw during the primaries, um, the ones that were, you know, held in the middle of a literal pandemic, that Democrats don't really want people to be politically engaged either, or at least they don't want people who actually take shit like sexual assault seriously to be politically engaged mm, because they are so. people who have major ideological differences with a generally with and and generally very different class positions than the people at the top of the Democratic Party. And like Yeah. I think like the whole like vote blue no matter who just really shows like they just want blind followers that are just like, oh yeah, anyone that like calls themselves a Democrat, like guess we're aligned. Right. And they but they don't and they they don't care if if I mean but I think it, it even goes further than that that like they're yeah. actively trying to turn off people from the political process yeah um like the people who are in the bernie wing it goes right it goes hand in hand with what Walita was saying and what we've said multiple times on this podcast that like they're much more worried about the bernie wing of the democratic party than they are about trump because mm-hmm. trump still at the end of the day aligns with their class interests yeah right. um and i think that that this is also a way of just shutting down that vote and saying like we actually don't really want you to participate in politics at all and we're okay with losing this election if we basically if we make it so that you don't actually think that like the electoral process is worth participating in and that becomes an even bigger problem because so for so many people electoral politics is what politics is um and i think that like leftists have to work really really hard to show people that politics is about more than that is like more than going to the voting booth and it's more than the partisan sniping you see on cnn and you know, if that were politics, because that's what Democrats want you to think politics is, that's the level they want you to be engaged in politics, then politics is basically useless. And we, we are the ones that have to demonstrate that politics is about power and about wielding power and that politics doesn't just happen in the polling places, but in the streets and in your workplace. And like, those are the places where it's actually worth it to be engaged. Not that like electoral politics is worthless, but right now, you know what are I we mean, getting from electing biden yeah it's pretty worthless <laughs> i mean <laughs> extremely worthless i yeah. mean between gerrymandering voter disenfranchisement pe- yeah. putting people off voter rolls um the mainstream media doing the propaganda work of the political parties the two-party system the exclusionary uh ways that you can get on a ballot all the barriers that have been put up it's a joke right, it's yeah. a joke to tell people uh, well, if you want change, you should vote. It's like, it doesn't matter if I vote. They can ignore my vote. They can lie about my vote. The United States intervenes in elections all around the world to ensure the outcome <laughs> want. Why do we think they don't do that here? Yeah. It's to do it here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in like a really screwed up uh, way, or not, not screwed up, but like maybe not intuitive way, we actually, like, those of us, I think, who 
would not vote for Biden to hold our votes because we love the idea of democracy and we want to be involved in politics in a meaningful way. Yeah. Right. Um, not because we don't care, which is what it gets painted as. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, yeah, like, oh, even like the idea of patriotism, which obviously is wrapped up in nationality, which I just disagree with on a whole level. But aside from it being wrapped up in borders and all that bullshit, like having pride in like community, like when I think about like what whatever my version of like patriotism would be, this is such a weird thought process, but just bear <laughs> with me. I just feel like. Yeah, it's like that sense of like defending my ideals of what a good society can be. And it is that like kind of almost like idealistic version that we're fighting for. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're organizing is like because we do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I can relate. I've had these kinds of things happen. And you know, I just think like I just, you just got to get a bit and I didn't fight it. Wow. Um, and he said that in an interview. And to me, like, I think that's smart. And I, that's why I think, like, anyone on the left is so screwed. Um, because this, so this does a couple of things. Um, I think to his main targeted audience, his base, it reinforces the idea that Trump tells it like it is. He's not afraid to be real. He's, like, saying, you know, he's saying the quiet part out loud kind of a thing. And I think to undecided swing and maybe even some centrist, it kind of makes him seem congenial and look not partisan because apparently being misogynistic is like right. the easiest thing to work across the aisle about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then of course, like thirdly, right. This, this made great sound bites that like the, the mainstream media and the left media just like gobble up and regurgitate. And I wanted to note that like no irony lost on me that I'm also talking about it now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, from a highly critical standpoint, though. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, just saying, like, the fact that we're talking about it, yeah. because he, he said exactly the right thing for it to catch in my brain and me to want to bring it up. And I think yeah. that's, that's what Trump is good at doing, right? Because we're this episode about Biden, me too. Now we're talking about Trump. Yeah, um, there's also, right. there was, um I guess they, I think it was his team. There's certainly a pro-Trump ad that went out that was um, took the footage of Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden from her endorsement um, video that she the put out. The one that he fell asleep during? Yes. <laughs> um, the one that was like, Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton talk about women's issues. Like, oh my God. And he literally passed out. Literally. Anyway. <laughs> full, full not out, but okay. So <laughs> um, they, took a, they took footage of that and they, they started with Hillary Clinton saying something about how Joe Biden really cares about women's issues. And they replaced her on the screen with like a bunch of different images of people from 2016 talking about um, Trump and like how bad he was about women. Like his name is taken out of it, but you know the context. Mm -hmm. um, oh my God. Uh, people like Kamala Harris who are um, talking about how women who come forward should be taken seriously, like basically Democratic people who are now surrogates for Joe Biden talking about how women need to be taken seriously, how accusers need to be taken seriously, how everybody deserves a chance to be heard. And Joe Biden just kind of nodding along because what he, he was like, quote unquote, listening, I guess, to Hillary kind of nodding. Um, and it was really disgusting it, and it actually like literally made me nauseous because yeah. it was an example of, of, you know, the right who obviously don't give a single shit about survivors um, marshalling, you know, a survivor's story for political points. Um, that's what, so yeah, that, that was the thing that I saw. I wish I hadn't seen it. 
Um, but it's like, yeah. you know, are we surprised that that's how this is playing out? Like, no, of course not. Mm. Yeah, I think there's something to be said too that like women's stories and experiences being like this political football happens like on the left too. It it happens everywhere. Like, you know, we see like the Democrats and Republicans like clearly using it against each other, but then being like, oh look, we can reach across the aisle and like that we all fucking hate women. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, and leftists. Course. Yeah, right. It's like leftists have a lot of issues with it in our spaces too and but then now can be like well biden did it and like so that we can critique so i just feel like it's really messy and fucking sucks yeah i mean unless until we kill the patriarchy we're just going to be political pawns yeah the patriarchy is dead buried mm, working on it we have to finish we have to end capitalism so you know <laughs> let's do it Let's just go do it. I don't know why I we just haven't done thought it. Already. Being a pawn would be less exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> like that should mean that I don't have to do as much. But I have to do much. <laughs> yes, I kid, I kid. Um, so, do we want to segue into how the mainstream media is complicit in all of this? Um, yeah. So I feel like, as always, we have to kind of look at you know, not just the reason, like, I think there's obviously reasons why a bunch of libs are are feeling this way. And that's obviously influenced by the media's coverage of this. So I know we um, have some feelings on that. Uh, For one, I mean, there's just this like, the 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 way that women are getting vilified in this situation. Um, who are coming forward or who have come forward, it's, like, just, I don't know. It's just, like, you're not surprised, but that it's all happening. But, like, literally two months ago, the same people were, like, trying to talk about Me Too. I don't know. It just feels, like, gross. I think it's worth talking about, like, how um, Tara Reid herself has been um, – treated in all this like Chris Hayes I think is basically the only mainstream like TV journalist who's taken this even remotely seriously earlier this week the week that we're recording um he had a very short not it wasn't like a super critical segment on the allegations um and the next day that one of the main trending like things on Twitter was fire Chris Hayes um Tara Reid was scheduled to go on Fox this weekend, actually, um, this weekend, again, it's the first weekend of May when we're recording. Uh, and she has publicly said that she doesn't like Fox news. She's a Democrat. Remember she worked for Joe Biden in the nineties. She's Democrat, but that literally no other networks would invite her on to talk. Mm. And I think she was supposed to go on today, Sunday. Um, and she ended up canceling her appearance. I think it was up to be on Hannity. I could be wrong. She canceled her appearance because she was getting death threats. Um, yeah, and I, I saw a tweet that, like, I think rightly pointed out that everything that's been happening to her has all but obliterated the chances that anybody else is going to come forward. And all of that is, like, completely intentional. And the media yeah. is totally complicit in that. They were complicit in propping up Joe Biden as, like, the inevitable, uh, you know, winner of the primaries. And they're complicit in making sure, you know, working their hardest to make sure that nobody else says anything about Joe Biden except for Tara Reid. Yeah. It's it's just that the the media is swept up in the patriarchal society as well, of course, you know, and they're they're like in the pocket of the Democratic Party. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's the thing. It's like if the bastard is their bastard, they don't care. He can right. be a bastard, and we're, yeah. we're supposed to turn the other. I mean, if you listen to Trump, Trump's most passionate base, and these are people. Some of them are related to them, right? Extended family. It's awful, but it's true. You know the way they talk about him. You can't tell them he's immoral or evil or just bad things to him or doesn't respect women. They not only not really don't really believe that it's as bad as everyone says, they don't really care. But at the end of the day, he's punished that they want punished. And he he talks out the things that are important to them. So like, okay, so maybe it's to women. Who cares? Look, he's making America great again. He's mm. great on the economy. Look how he's handling the coronavirus. He's, he's a God-fearing Bible reader. Like they help sorts of reasons to not care about any of the of the quote-unquote terrible things that he's done but what is the difference between you know and they want him to win they will they, they'll keep voting for him no matter what because to them it's like we don't care we want him to win because the other side is awful and evil and we want trump to be the president well that's what the democratic base says the democratic base says we don't care what joe biden does we don't care how bad he might have been in the past or how bad he might be even now don't you understand how evil the other side is we want yeah. our guy to win mm-hmm. it's just two sides saying the same thing yeah um, and this is why most people don't vote <laughs> right. I've had kind of a good time recently, good time in quotes, I guess. Um just like ta- trying to ask people the question who are, who are like that, who are like, well we just want to win and we're Democrats. I always try to ask in what material ways has Trump being president negatively affected your life? Mm-hmm. Because I want to know beyond just like my team versus your team, specifically for people, right? It's like organizing one yeah. on one. How has what is it that Trump has done in office? that has like that has hurt you that you notice in your life and it's really interesting to hear people try to answer that question because all they can say is like but he's bad well like yes we agree he's bad but like they don't have any more analysis than that you know it's so partisan also a lot of people nothing bad has happened i mean yes especially all these rich liberals these twitter personalities these democratic journalists a lot of them they got really nice tax cuts, actually. Good things have happened to them uh, since Trump has been president. For a lot of them, it's just that bad things that have, have happened to other people. Yep. Um, the problem is they only see those bad things happening to those people when a Republican is president, not stopping to think, do bad things happen to those people when a Democrat is president? And of course, the answer is yes, of course. A hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. I just want Walita to run for president. Yeah. Walita, when you talk about things, I'm literally like, I have chills the entire time. <laughs> I will never run for public office. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I would never. Well, that's why we love you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it would be important for us to talk to people like like Hope was just saying, like ways to approach talking about Joe Biden, because I think we're going to have to continue to have conversation with libs that we know in our life until the election. But I don't want to. I know. <laughs> yeah. But so I thought maybe it could be helpful if we like list some of the like main reasons that we hear and then kind of like maybe discuss how how those could be like answered well for everyone out there with libs in your life that are having these conversations with you. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... I just like listed some things that I feel like I keep seeing, obviously, which the one is like, but he championed the Violence Against Women Act or like pointing to any other like, you know, policy or anything he's been involved in that like maybe helped women mm-hmm. or had anything to do with women. Yeah. Which I mean, t- one thing I would say to that is that it's 
very common for people who have been abusers um, to then like get involved so that that is used as an excuse for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's also the reason, one of the main reasons Clarence Thomas is on the Supreme Court. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like the whole thing of like, oh, do you want do you want Trump to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg? And I'm just like, look at Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Well, it's not even just that. that he put Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court. It's like he silenced a victim of sexual assault to put a hyper-conservative rapist mm. on the court. Like, I don't... Yeah, it's rapist what, solidarity. What is there to say about that? Right. Like, there's, there's no respect for women. It didn't matter. She didn't matter. Yeah. Like, her story didn't matter. She was just in the way. She was just making things hard for them to get on with things. That's all these women are, these people. Yeah. Another one of my favorite things that people have been saying, I mean, like, of Stacey, I've been on her pick me by some more. It's amazing seeing somebody debase themselves like that. But regardless, um, there's like two related statements, which are, I'm friends with him and he never molested me. Or I know Joe and he wouldn't do that. And this is funny to me, actually, for like a couple of reasons. One of them is that I actually don't believe that Joe Biden has ever come in contact with a woman and not been really fucking weird. Um, (laughs) But I mean, hashtag believe women. So like maybe maybe you're telling the truth. I don't know. But like the other thing is, and this is like really serious. uh, It goes into this very tired trope that just protects men, which is that rapists are scary people who like wear trench coats and hang out in dark alleys next to the dumpster um and the implication is that if like a man doesn't fit that mo he isn't a rapist and obviously we know that most assaults are committed by like people that the victim knows personally and we also know that almost no man almost no man is so one-dimensional that he lives his life in a trench coat waiting for a woman in a short skirt to walk past his alley Right. right you know the idea that like nice guys can't be rapists gets almost every single rapist off the hook because almost yep. every rapist has been nice to someone yep. in their life <laughs> yep. yeah and like usually two other men right and almost no like almost nobody is universally hated terrible people are by definition like not terrible to everybody because that's how they get ahead. Powerful, terrible people at the very least. They're just shitty when they can get away with it, which yeah. like also means that if you're saying that somebody has never been shitty to you when they're accused of being shitty to somebody else, maybe you should look at yourself and ask if maybe you have something going for you that means that that person doesn't feel like they could hurt you in the way that they hurt others. Like that's a moment to pause for self-reflection, not to like blindly defend a man who's on camera sniffing like thousands of women's hair. Yeah. Gross. Joe Biden, no, it's a good rant and you're right. And when it comes to Biden specifically, He's been in politics for 40, 50 years, a very long time, many decades. Um, he doesn't stand for anything. He's not, he's like this empty suit that's from a state that incorporates companies uh, for very cheap. And doesn't he doesn't have a political ideology. He doesn't have any principles. He is a man that went into politics to be close to power and to have power and to be close to wealth and to have wealth. Um, people who go into politics for those reasons, generally speaking, are scumbags and corrupt. I mean, I mean, there's if you're going into politics, if you're spending your career doing it to just be to just be an empty suit, 
without any real political conviction, without any real political ideology, what are you in it for? What is the incentive here? The incentive here is power, the power of coercion, uh, you know, the proximity to power, wealth, um, and men like that, people like that. I mean, Amy Klobuchar is also an ex- extremely abusive bitch, right? right? Mm-hmm. She's a awful boss. And, you know, it's because she probably went into politics for the same reason. She wanted to, she wanted power and she wanted to be close to power. Right. These people are not to be trusted. Any shitty thing that comes out about their lives, the default reaction should be to believe it. Honestly, to be, to believe it, because why else would they, there's no, these people don't, haven't done anything great with their political careers. Nothing. They're in it for these specific reasons. And they have these, when they have power and they have wealth, they have authority and they can do anything they want to anybody they want. Why wouldn't they? It's like why they're there. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the, the power games. Yeah. Yeah. Another um, one, which like Kellen talked about earlier with her trademarked phrase, battle of the rapists. Um, the argument of like, well, Trump has raped more women, which is also just like, that's what we know of. Like, we have no idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's insane that we are like, we have like a body count. You know what I mean? Like, and what the thing that is just mind blowing is that no one outside the left is being like, Hey, believe it or not, we can actually have a political system where we don't have two rapists vying for the most powerful office on the planet. Like we don't have to acquiesce to the system, which I think is what we were talking about. Like Mm -hmm. when we were talking about whether we're individually going to vote, like this isn't, and this isn't just how things are. This is a political situation that has been contrived by the interests of power. And we actually don't have to participate. They're going to blame us when Joe loses, whether we vote or not. So, like, why the fuck does it even matter? Yeah. Yeah. They're already preparing those talking points. They prepared them before. They're getting ready. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Big who care energy right now on this call. A lot of who care energy. Like, (laughs) they're a dying generation. Um, You know, the, the, the generation coming... It's not them. They don't look like them materially. They don't look like them socially. They don't look like them culturally. And God bless the kids. Honestly, like I, yes, I hope I you all. Yeah, I want you all as the as the like mama bear of this coven, as the oldest one. Oh, I, I want meant like literal teens because I'm like, yes, give them every power. Well, also teens. Yes, to me, everyone who is a teenager through the age of thirty-two, basically. <laughs> is like the coming generation. I want you guys to take the Democratic Party and take the system and rip it limb to like limb from the blender. Put it through the blender. Um, Rip it apart. Will it blend? (laughs) But like, will it blend YouTube series? But it's just putting the Democratic Party into a giant blender. Okay. (laughs) I'd be the old hippie in the background cheering you on. Yes. Be like, yeah, they're doing it. (laughs) Oh, I just want that to happen so bad. Yeah. 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 It, I think it is worth just mentioning one thing that Hope said earlier that I thought was really important that was a response to one of the things that comes up that's he's vetted by Obama. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And Hope, as you said, and because I've seen this all the time, I just think it's worth addressing. As you said, like he was picked specifically for being 
like a conservative do to balance out Obama and not right. freak out white people too much. Right. They're like, let's put the let's put the segregation Democrat on this ticket so that we can elect the black guy. Mm-hmm. First of all, secondly, Obama's aides vetted Biden for shit people would actually care about. Clearly, sexual assault is not one of those things. Right. This is just proving them right. Next. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. My thing with this is like with some of these arguments, these are the things that are said every single time that a woman comes forward about anything. Cool. So I thought maybe as we like to try to end on a more uplifting note, we could just talk about how we're all coping with everything that's happening and like the news cycle. And yeah, what are what are y'all doing to not go crazy? <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> that's a pretty what? big assumption that we are doing things that are making us not go crazy. Is there any? Okay. What has there been a highlight to your past week, perhaps? Mm. All of the strikes. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. Strikes and rent strikes that have been happening mm-hmm. in the country are like unprecedented, and I love it. I've been, and this will surprise no one, getting really into watching like revenge murder movies where <laughs> men get murdered. And it is making me, it feels so good. Last night I watched this movie, Sisters, it's from the 70s. And this really fucking creepy guy that was pissing me off so much just gets like scalped in the balls. And it was yes. perfect. Mm. I don't, I'm afraid to ask what scalped in the balls means. Yeah. <laughs> they're in a medical, basically stabbed, but she's using like a scalper because they're oh in uh, like a medical setting. And like, he kind of has her pinned and she's able to like grab it off the table and like stab it right into his crotch. Oh nice. my God. Um, oh, hey, man, pins you down, just kick him in the nuts or stab. Exactly. Or, you know, grab the nearest weapon and. <laughs> What'd you say, Hope? Oh, I said I have a good thing. Oh, yeah. Um, that I just remembered. So one of my colleagues is, I don't even know how to describe him. I know that there's like some of the people we work with who also listen to the podcast, so they'll know immediately who I'm talking about. But he is, suffice it to say, he has like the most generic, like cis white dude name. And like, he's like, that's just totally his MO. He's super nice, though. Um, but anyways, I've been like slowly trying to radicalize him over the last like six years. And so last week he messaged me on Slack about something for work. And the next message was side note, I'm starting to think maybe capitalism is the worst. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. And I was like, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, as we hurtle towards an economic depression, some people will get richer and buy up more assets and many other people will starve and probably die. <laughs> and so yep. He wrote, uh, yeah, one of the craziest parts is there's more than enough to go around. Oh my gosh. Yeah, wow. <laughs> oh my God. And then he went That's on to, amazing. he basically like thinks that he invented uh, Marxism now, which is so great. Just let him have it. Just oh, be yeah. like, good, good job, dude. <laughs> You're like, you should really write like a book or like maybe even a manifesto or something. Yes. <laughs> he says, Imagine a world where people are able to follow their interests without necessarily having to worry about whether it was marketable. I bet we'd have oh so god. many novel and interesting solutions. Oh my <laughs> god. It's like um the movie yesterday where no one remembers the Beatles, yes. but it's like a world where only this one dude remembers Marxism. <laughs> yes. And he's like, I need to tell everyone. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a, kind of a bright spot. Very funny. 
Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's been happening. That's been happening quite a bit. I've been hearing more and more people sort of question the entire system in general. Yeah, yeah that's positive. I yeah. feel like I feel like oh, just gonna say like how how can you not at this point? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, people probably will not. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure there are people with that level of no awareness. Right. But yeah, well, I mean, I will say that I probably have been avoiding the mainstream media more rigorously because I Mm -hmm. just can't fucking deal like I feel like when Bernie was still in the race I like was watching mainstream media because I wanted to see what they were saying about him and stuff like that and now I just am like literally I I cannot even listen to the garbage that comes out of any of their mouths Mm -hmm. um and like I keep seeing this weird Twitter discourse where, like, bi women are into both Rachel Maddow and Chris Cuomo. And I'm like, excuse I'm, me? I'm that's literally weird. going to vomit on you I all. Taste in that's, that's biphobic. Yeah. it's It was extremely <laughs> offensive to me. So I just want to put that out there that, like, that's not okay. Um, have I ever Have I ever told you my hot take on Rachel Maddow? No, tell me. I don't think she needs those glasses. Ooh, I love this. I think they're fake. Think they're, she <laughs> Do you have, like, reasoning? Yeah. Is there, like, all theory? Okay. Yeah. She's dumb. Um, I think she's <laughs> dumb. She's. She, I know that she's a Rhodes Scholar or whatever, but dumb people want uh, Rhodes Scholars. They just have to be rich enough. But also, um, I think she has a very curated personality and backstory like J.K. Rowling, and I don't think that she needs those glasses. I think they're fake. Because if you're going to be on TV, you wear contacts. You don't wear glasses. And she wears them as an affectation. That's my hot take on Rachel Maddow. Interesting. Mm, Wow. I I buy it. I mean, (laughs) even if they were prescription, they would be by choice because she could wear contacts. So either way, it is a personality choice, whether they are for her vision or not yeah i will say some of us can't wear contacts who have glasses for example certainly not talking about anyone on this call or myself (laughs) but if you have a very slight cross eye you can't wear contacts (laughs) i can't really wear contacts either cullen if your right eye is pointed very very slightly higher than your left eye but you have great vision. You can't wear contacts, but you might have to wear glasses or you get headaches. Again, not speaking from experience. Um, <laughs> wow. To bring us back to <laughs> what we were supposed to be talking about. Um, I uh, The thing that has made me feel better actually is talking to you guys. I had like a really shitty day. It Aww. felt like really heavy and this has been so uplifting. So I'm really oh, glad yay. that we got the chance Aww. to all be together on this call. Me too. Also, I love that, like, this is the first time in a while we've all been on and that it's, like, for this topic. You know Yeah, I mean? me too. Pa- that's the power of the Me Too movement, baby. <laughs> that's it's the power of shitting all over Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah. He deserves it. He does deserve it. Do we want to end it there? Yeah. Okay. Well, as always, this was a freaking good show. 
Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Season of the Bee. We've got some fun events coming up. We're watching um, Jennifer's Body with the Coven. So if you are a Patreon supporter, you'll get a Zoom link to your inbox um, on Saturday, May 9th. Um, and we'll be watching at 9 p.m. You'll get the link before then. Eastern but, time, baby. Yeah, 9 p.m. Eastern, baby. Uh, uh, enjoy a Saturday night of murdering men. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, if you didn't know, that was Zoe's suggestion uh, for a movie. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> I think we all know. Uh, um, <laughs> Okay, As, you you don't want to see Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried in a steamy makeout scene? Oh, you know that I, I mean, do. You are obviously. I'm, <laughs> I'm already in, uh, but everyone should definitely join us for that too uh, this Saturday. And then, um, yeah, give us your money on Patreon if you if you aren't, so that you can join us. Um, and that's at season or Patreon.com/slash Season of the Bitch. And I think that's it. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, love you guys. I love you. Love you. Love you. Love Bye. You. Bye. 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 Season of the bitch. <laughs> <laughs>